Good morning and welcome. If you are visiting here today, I'm Cathy, I'm one of the pastors here and it's so good to have you here. We've been exploring over Easter, we've talked about voices of Easter and, and we're just staying in that little Easter story just for this week before we jump into Ephesians next week. And also I just want to say welcome too to Audrey. Audrey is part of our mission family that we support and she will be making her way back to Taiwan but it's lovely to have you just visiting with us today. I wonder whether you've ever had an encounter with Jesus that just felt so personal, so significant to you. It left you just a little bit in awe and perhaps a little bit overwhelmed by this Jesus that we speak, you know, of his resurrection at Easter but this Jesus is actually alive and present and with me now. Last year, while um, Steve and I were on sabbatical, the second half of last year, I developed really bad vertigo following a flight, and some of you were praying for me in that, so thank you, so you know about that bit. But it was about two weeks into vertigo, my GP just did a, a regular blood test, and the day following that test, I was all distracted, you know, I was sort of having a lovely time, actually, I was putting together a digital photo album, having a really nice time, and it was somewhere midway through the afternoon when I, I just had this compelling prompting in my spirit, stop what you're doing and go out to your back porch, and that sort of thing doesn't happen to me very often, but it was it was such a compelling thing that I just thought, you know, I, I think I need to do this. And so I, I did that, went out to my back porch. Then away from distraction, just with incredible clarity, the Lord showed me that since childhood, I have been carrying fear and dread with anything when it came to do with my health. He said, I want you to take authority in Jesus' name over fear and dread. And I mean, that, that's a little bit weird, right? <laughs> But, but it was so compelling and so clear to me that, that I obeyed it. And as I did, I, I felt something leave. And just knowing what I know in its place, I just thought, okay, well, Lord, I, just, I invite the peace of God into me in that place. What I did not know at that point was that within hours of that experience, that very night, my GP would call me saying, I've just got some of your blood results back. Your iron and haemoglobin are critically low and I need you to go to emergency immediately. I'm concerned you're going to go into cardiac arrest. Well, that's not the call you want to receive from your GP, is it? Especially at 8 o'clock at night. And I know my old self with news like that would have, would have panicked. Fear and dread would have taken hold with news like that. But as it was, I was just, I was completely calm. Not only through the hours in hospital that night, but then through all the subsequent tests and diagnosis and major surgery finally last December. All the way through, just did this journey with such peace. And I know that but for Jesus' encounter that day on the back porch, that journey would have been very different for me because I know the self that I'd lived with for 48 years and I know that this new place in Christ is actually very genuine and very peace-filled and very real, very different. I wonder if you can recall an encounter that you've had with Jesus that left you in awe just by how real his presence is. That was certainly the testimony of of Cleopas and his friend in Luke 24 that we're going to be looking at today when they encounter the risen Jesus. They say, surely our hearts were burning within us. So we're going to take a look at that story. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. 
but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels, who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. You know, we we read this account knowing the end from the beginning. We know that Jesus rose from the dead and we know the victory and the celebration. But at the beginning of this story, the disciples don't know that yet. At this point, all they know is grief and confusion. To them, Jesus' death must have seemed so sudden. In their minds, it wasn't meant to turn out like this. Jesus was the Messiah. He was meant to rescue them from the Roman occupation and restore the Jewish nation. And more than that, Jesus was their mate. They loved him and he was their teacher and Lord. He was the one that they'd left their careers and their families and their homes to follow. They weren't expecting Jesus to die when he did. And so at this point, the disciples would have been reeling with grief. Some of us know what it feels like those first few days after losing someone we love. You know, in the rawness of emotion, it can be hard to know where you should be and what you should do in those early days of grief because nowhere feels right anymore. And being wired differently, different people need to do different things. And that's what's actually going on in the whole of Luke 24. The women who had stood by Jesus as he died needed closure. They needed to complete Friday's task of anointing Jesus' body, so they they made their way to the tomb. For the 11 and some other disciples, the original disciples, they just needed to be together, you know, because sometimes that's where you need to be when you're in grief, you know, be with those who get it. 
who get how it feels and get what happened. But for Cleopas and his friend, they needed to get away from Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem would have been now a place of terrible memories and everyone in Jerusalem would have had an opinion about what had gone on in these last few days. And maybe for Cleopas and his friend, they don't want to be part of those conversations. And who knows, maybe the 11-kilometre walk to Emmaus was a therapeutic idea at this point. And so Luke 24 begins as a picture of grief. Different disciples doing what they needed to do. But in the midst of it, them getting on as best they could, with heavy hearts, each of them encountered the risen Jesus. Cleopas and his friend were walking and talking about all that had happened and how fast it had all unraveled, how Jerusalem had become a frenzy of hatred, how Jesus had been with them one minute and the next minute he'd been taken, tried, beaten and crucified, how the women seemed to have tipped over with some crazy story that they'd seen Jesus alive. And as they were walking and talking somewhere along the road, Jesus joined them and at first they failed to recognise him. Now, how that works, I'm I'm not completely sure, but Scripture just says that God kept them from recognising him. And so, as a stranger, seemingly a stranger, Jesus was able to explore with the disciples their understanding of what had happened. And then, starting with the law of Moses, Jesus unpacked with them that the Messiah had to suffer. And these two disciples begin to understand that Jesus' death wasn't a denial of his kingship, but rather a mark of his righteousness and humility. And that the kingdom of God comes not with force, but with self-sacrifice. And the more that Jesus explains, the more they start to really get it. Have you ever considered just how much emotion is building as this conversation unfolds? I reckon each of them were like coiled springs for Jesus. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be, you know, apparently anonymous with your disciples? Surely he just wants to let on. It's him. Last month for Steve's birthday, I uh, hid his birthday present in our pantry where breakfast is kept. And so this was meant to be, you know, a surprise that he would come upon. And he kept going to the pantry for other things. And I'm there, you know, I've got this nervous excitement that's growing. And every time he goes to the pantry and he doesn't see it. And he goes to the pantry again, he doesn't see it. And finally he reaches up for breakfast cereal, still doesn't see it. And I'm like, I just like want to say, it's in the pantry! And I reckon Jesus was probably a bit like that at this point. Guys, it's me! But he keeps his calm. And then for the the disciples themselves, they've got their own growing excitement in this conversation because we're told later that they reflected on what was going on during this conversation later when they realised it was Jesus and they, they said, weren't our hearts just burning within us when he walked along the road with us and unpacked scriptures to us? Because that's how it is when we encounter Jesus, isn't it? Something within us ignites. A passage of scripture that just might be really, really familiar to us suddenly comes alive. Or words of a sermon suddenly feel like they're speaking specifically to you. Or, you know, you might have had a dream at night and it just arrests your attention and you just know, my God, I think God's speaking to me through this. Or perhaps even just the words or actions of another person, they could just be ordinary, but somehow they get translated into the language of heaven and you just know that God is touching you or speaking to you or expressing his love to you so specifically through what happens. Encounters with Jesus stand out from the mundane of life and they tend to stay with us over years as well. 
I suspect that some of us can identify with Jesus' disciples when they say, surely our hearts were burning within us. Because we can remember an experience for us that also felt like that at some point in our faith journey. A time when Jesus' presence with you felt so real. Well, Jesus and his two disciples arrive in Emmaus on dusk and the two urge Jesus to spend the night with them. And all of a sudden, as Jesus breaks bread over the evening meal, their eyes are opened and all of a sudden they realise it's him. And then he disappears from sight. They had just spent hours with the one who was dead, only he wasn't dead anymore. This encounter would have been majorly life-changing. Not only do they now understand that Jesus is alive, but so much more than that. He has enabled them to put the salvation story together. And so now they can see that Jesus' death wasn't a tragic set of circumstances that resulted in some injustice, but rather the unfolding of God's saving plan that, that God had been working on over thousands of years. Cleopas and his friend are so excited, so encouraged, that two responses well up within them. The first response is that they just have to tell others what has happened. As soon as they recognised Jesus, they got up at once and they returned to Jerusalem. And you know, it didn't matter that they'd already walked 11 kilometres that day. And I suspect at this point they're probably pretty tired because grief of the last few days, you know, it just has a way of kind of wearing you down and exhausting you. They don't do the sensible thing and get a good night's sleep. They just scoot off, do this walk back to Jerusalem. I suspect they did it at pace. I reckon they would have put it on Facebook or they would have texted or they would have done something else if they could. We know that there's a uniqueness about the way that the disciples encountered Jesus in these resurrection stories. And yet we also know that this same resurrected Jesus continues to be with us. That's what he's promised. Matthew 28, Jesus says, Be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And most of the time for us, we have to trust that by faith. Every now and again, God might surprise us by making his presence meaningful to us in a way that only he could have organised, in a way that is so personal to us. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you had these experiences? You know, sometimes it could be that, that coincidence, that set of circumstances that only he could have put together. Well, sometimes it's an experience of his peace that completely defies the circumstances and you know that he's with you. Or an encounter with his love or his grace or his healing or his freedom in, a, in such a personal way. Or a particular way, perhaps, that, that he's led you. In my story, you know, we're finding our healing from fear and dread. There are so many different ways that Jesus makes the reality of his presence known to us. But when he does, it's like this. Our hearts just burn within us. We just know that he's here. And when we do encounter him, it's good to share our stories with others. We bring glory to God by testifying to his reality in our lives. I want to acknowledge that sometimes our stories can feel a bit out there. I wrestled with whether to share my story of fear and dread with you because it does feel out there. And yet I know how real and life-changing it has been. I suspect that Cleopas and his mate's story also felt out there. You know, can you imagine as they're making their way back to Jerusalem thinking, man, we're going to have to tell people that this dead guy is actually now alive and we've just walked and talked with him. Surely they're thinking to themselves, oh my goodness, this is crazy. And yet they just had to tell it. So just to give you a heads up, 
as part of our um, worship after the message this morning, I want to open up an invitation for any of us who would like to, to, to just share a, a significant encounter that you've had with Jesus, a time where you can also recognise, yeah, my heart was burning within me when I encountered him like this. It may have been the first time you came to Christ or it may have been a subsequent experience that you've had as a follower. Because it's good to share our experiences with one another as part of our worship to God. And can I also add that our stories aren't just for those who already believe. It's also good to share our stories with those who don't yet know Christ. As I mentioned, my fear and dread story does feel a bit out there as I retell it. But a couple of months ago, I sensed the Lord say, I want you to share that story with your brother Peter. Now, my brother knows of Jesus, but his knowledge of Christian things is really limited to childhood Sunday school. And I thought to myself... When I sensed the Lord say this to me, I just thought, you know, I don't even know where to begin to make that story seem less weird for someone who doesn't have faith. But my default is to trust the Lord in, in what he shows. And, and so one evening in February, I, I gathered the courage and I rang my brother. And in the course of our conversation, as we were talking about an upcoming operation for him, I just said, Pete, make of this story what you will but I just want to tell you something that happened before my surgery. And he seemed to listen. He asked a couple of questions and then our conversation moved on. And sometimes you don't quite know where a story lands for someone, you know, because they don't kind of give you feedback. It just gets thrown into the mix of things. But what did happen for my brother was that a week or two later, he texted his daughter, who is a Christian, and who was going through a hard time. And in his text, he said that he was praying for her. Now... My brother doesn't use the P word ever and neither of us have ever known him to say that he was praying, not through any of the other hard stuff we've ever been through. And so we, we just thought, well, maybe this is just a nice sentiment for her sake. But no, later that day in a conversation with his daughter, he got specific about when he was praying and what he was praying for and, and then he's done it a couple of times since then as well. Let's be willing to tell of the ways that we have encountered God because every time we do, it speaks of his reality, encouraging those who already know Christ, but also speaking of his reality into the lives of those who don't. I'm conscious that one of the perceptions of our unbelieving friends is that Christianity is just a bunch of rules and rituals. But what they don't understand is that Christianity is a relationship with a living God. And so every time we speak of our encounters with Jesus, it challenges their view of a dead or irrelevant religion. Somewhere in the mix of their thinking, they've got to do something with that story. Either dismiss you as crazy, or if they know you, they probably won't do that. They'll just kind of have to work it through somehow and put it somewhere. So in Luke 24, the first response that welled up in the disciples after experiencing the risen Christ was that they just had to share their stories with others. And the second response that it drew from them was worship. Verse 50 says that after Jesus ascended back to heaven, they worshipped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Whenever Jesus makes his presence known to us in some tangible way, his intent always is to draw our hearts back to him, to acknowledge his reality and love and to worship him with the kind of gratitude and passion that such an experience stirs. And so what better way to finish our service today than doing both of those things? 
for an opportunity for whoever of us would like to, to share a story of an, an encounter that you've had with Jesus, a time when you've known that your heart was burning within you because you just know, my gosh, he's just made himself clear in this situation. And then for all of us to worship him in response to who he is, in response to the, the truth that his reality is here, he's here, he's risen from the dead and he's really here, he's really active and alive in our lives. If there's something that you're able to just share succinctly, a time where you just know, yeah, my heart was burning within me. Um, we'd love you to, to be part of our worship by sharing that story. When my father passed away after a long battle with dementia, we went up to Tyrigal on the sea for a few days to just get over it. While we were there, I said to God, can you give me a sign that Dad's okay? And then uh, I walked out on the balcony and then I said, that's silly, God. I know he's safe with you. I don't need a sign. But then the birds came in. And I don't know whether you know about the swallows in England and the murmurings, they call it, where these thousands of birds come in, in all different directions, in this great big bubble, and they don't hit each other. It's called murmurings, and, and the murmurings are the fluttering of their wings. It's a noise they make. And in came these rainbow lorikeets, and they did the same thing. And while I was watching these birds, God said to me, you don't know how much you are loved. And that was really special. A while ago I did the Life in the Spirit course and as part of that in the week leading up I asked God to bring to light anything that was in my life that needed to be dealt with and he did. There was one memory in particular from childhood that would cause me grief and, and literally cause me grief. And the way that I would deal with that was to squash it down. So I'd done that for years. Well, if it's a childhood memory, I'd done that for decades, pushing it down. But the night when we met again for Life in the Spirit, as the night wore on, I just felt this terrible sense of anxiety and foreboding. And um, it was about that memory and that I felt, you know, I could always go right back to it as if I was still in that moment and still that child. So I asked for prayer. And as I was guided through that prayer, um, I felt that Jesus was with me in that situation and in that memory. Even though I could see it and I could feel it, I knew that I wasn't alone. I did have a sense that he was there, that he was telling me I was safe that he hurt for that child, that was me. He, it also pained him that I had to do that and that to go through that and that that wasn't his ultimate will for me. But more than that, he didn't want me to be defined by that in the future, that that wasn't who I am and that wasn't who I was to be going forward. So from that time, I haven't thought about that memory and if I do, I can see it, but I'm, I'm no longer in it and I'm now not defined by that but I'm defined by the fact that I am a child of God.
I love the image that we have a saviour who walks with us, who reveals himself to us. And the reality is at times we sense his presence, we know his presence, we hear his voice, but he's always there. And even in the times of quietness and when we wonder, he's still there with us. So as we go into this week, I just want you to go with that encouragement and that strength, that we have a Christ, a risen saviour, who walks with us, who leads us by his Holy Spirit into all that this week and the future will bring. Amen.